Hey, welcome to Two Guys No Two Teachers. Or know nothing. We're not really sure yet. Today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, this pandemic. I think it's kind of what we decided, and how these this life changing event has changed or should change education. I've got a few thoughts on on how it should be changing, um, and what we've seen so far. Uh, so, yeah, me, I, me, me as well. I have a few comments that I'll put in about where, how I see the pandemic pandemic uh, affecting education, but also how it could change it in the future. Yeah, and that's. I think those are two pretty important things about what we're seeing going forward uh, once we've come through this as we're almost wrapping up a school year and start thinking about next school year about how that's going to look or potentially look or could look. So I'd say we jump right in. I think right now, let's focus on the first part of this on maybe what has happened um, at this point. So. We kind of got thrown into this, you know, at least here in South Dakota, kind of overnight type of thing. It was uh, a Thursday, if I remember right. That Yep, I believe it was a Thursday. That, that they were at the state girls basketball tournament and they suddenly changed the way the tournament was going to be ran. And then Friday morning, they canceled the girls B basketball tournament and or postponed it and by that point, we had word that we wouldn't be going back to school for at least another week. Yep. There was a, a yeah, the governor had come on and basically recommended that all schools close for one week. And right. So that and was then, sort of how we had the beginning of this. And then uh, it switched, you know, in there. We got to the middle of that next week and she said, nope, schools aren't going to be open for another week. Another they, they week or another week. And then by the Monday of that next week, it was we're closed till May. Yep. Yep. And then it, and then somewhere in there, it said we're closed the rest of the school year. So teachers kind of in, kind of overnight got thrown into the, okay, you got to do education different. So we kind of jumped in, and most of us not doing anything online or any type of online teaching in the past or not even really trained in how to do it suddenly got cast into this new role of being an online teacher and even those of us who had uh used online platforms i mean this was a completely different way of using them i mean they had been supplemental things in the classroom because you still saw your kids every day and so it wasn't like you know i was just assigning things online i was you know teaching in the classroom communicating with them in person and then all of a sudden you go to now you don't get to do that and you have to find some way to completely go to that online learning platform and it was just like i said it was a snap of the fingers finger Uh, very very difficult Uh, and we had to figure it out basically in a week Uh, right you know that first week we weren't really sure it was like okay we're gonna be out for a week and we'll see what happens and then then it was two weeks and then all of a sudden it was the you know and it just got bigger and bigger and so you really had to it it just snuck up on you very very quickly 
uh, suddenly you were in a in a in a place where maybe you had planned stuff out for the rest of the year in your classroom, but now you completely had to redo how you were going to do your education, and it was kind of scary. I'll I'll say right away, really scary right away, uh, having to deal with this this how much work this was going to be and how much how we'd have to accomplish it in such a short period of time. You know, and and with that, you think back now, being in education, being a teacher, you think okay this isn't that shouldn't be that tough to overcome but let's go back you know 20 years when I was in high school if something like this would have happened what would we have done we didn't have access to computers every day people didn't have them regularly in their homes they were still kind of new 20 years ago you know people people had them but the access to the internet was not the same the access to information was not the same so I mean it could have been 20 years ago this would have been devastating Oh, the, the, the system would have been completely shut down. You know, right. the sure. education would have ceased. It just would have stopped. So, so you know, now we have this these computer tools. We have this stuff to, to help overcome it. But yet we're still learning. I mean, especially someone like me, I, I believe in the technology. When I got into education, I kind of thought that there's, there's a need and a use for it within education. And... I've but, been looking ever since to be able to do that, but but you never thought that it would replace that right. that person to person contact. That's just something that we never really saw coming. Exactly, exactly. I mean, I I personally would like to see us go to using online books, and I'd love to find an online math program similar to what colleges use at the high school level that's affordable for a school district, um, because kids can get that instant feedback. They can get feedback right away if they solve a math problem on the computer. Boom, put their answer in. Yep, they got it right. Or no, they didn't, and they can figure out what where they went wrong. You know, and the teacher becomes more of a guide, a facilitator. As, yes, that's yeah. a good word. A facilitator. Whereas in the um, in the education model that we're all used to and we're all using currently, it's okay. We do a lecture. Here's your homework. Tomorrow we do another lecture. Here's your homework. Um, you know, it's. It's kind of archaic, and I think I think we've kind of found that out with with the, some of this transition. Um, I'm still learning every day and evolving every day how to do this online. I started out by just posting video links to um, Khan Academy and putting up the information I would present in class, and I just hand it to my students or post it online for them to go and view, and then give them an assignment based off of that. Mm-hmm. Well. From that, I've now evolved into, okay, I'm using, recording some things with video. I'm showing some problems on the whiteboard, or I'm just walking through and talking through the PowerPoint and showing it in a lecture style thing where they can listen to my voice presenting the information. Um, and I think there's there's still yet another step farther of, of figuring out a way to better utilize things like Zoom and Google Meets or um, Microsoft Teams. Um, there's got to be some other ways out there that we can have an interactive classroom without being in the classroom. Bring back and, that personal connection that you right, get you know, being in the classroom without having to be literally in the same room. Uh, now, and, and now don't get me wrong, there are there are several students, and I, I can think of some, I'm not going to mention them, but I can think of them off the top of my head, that are loving this type of education 
they work at their own pace. They are maybe afraid to ask a question in the regular general classroom, but here they will email me questions. They will call me. They will send me a text message. They'll send me a message in Google Classroom. I often tell them, go ahead and send me a carrier pigeon if that's what they need to do <laughs> to get word to me. Yep. Um, to get the help they need because they can ask that question and they don't feel like they're dumb because no other students know they're asking. Yep. You know, and for a lot of kids, you know, in, in the regular classroom, that's what it is. That you, we know they need the help. We know they don't understand, but they're afraid to ask because they're afraid that they're going to look dumb. Yeah. And even though, you know, I push with kids that if you have the question, I'll guarantee you there's at least one other person in the room that has the same question. Yep, I would I would agree. Yep. Uh, kind of getting back to just how this kind of changed, because that I, I kind of felt like we were leading in there a little bit with how it's going to change or can change. But just going right. back to just kind of how we we got into this whole thing and what it was like. I know one of the biggest things that hit me as a teacher when this all happened, when I started moving to that online platform, and I've said this before, uh, as Mr. Nolte knows, uh, that it just felt like the school day just never ended, so to speak. And this is where I'm going to talk a little bit about the, I guess, the stress aspect of doing this from the teaching aspect. And we've had some other colleagues uh, who, who have really taken this hard, uh, you know, so to speak. I, I've dealt with yep, the, I, would agree. I feel a lot better than maybe some others have. Uh, but a lot of that has to do with, you know, my personal living situation and not having to deal with some of these things that other people are having to deal with. Uh, so, like, what I really got out of it is before all this started, okay, you know, I, my American history class started at 820 what six eight twenty six and it went till nine twelve yep. that's my american history class and when my american history class was over the class was over kids maybe had an assignment or a project or a test to prepare for but they went on to their next class and for me and you know it was a nice little Nice little box, nice little neat box. That was the class, it's over, The they have an assignment, it's due tomorrow or it's due at a certain time. That was done. Right. Went to my next class and, and so on and so forth. And then eventually you get done with all your classes. It's the end of the day. Uh, during the course of the day, I've used my opens to do grading for what kids have turned in. I know that I'm gonna have time in the future uh, to do grading. Uh, and so basically the school day ends. Uh, it's the spring. I don't have any sports that I'm coaching. So I go home and I go. You, you finally have that chance to decompress from the day. Yep. Uh, I, I go home and I, I relax. I don't have to worry about work. I don't have to worry about our students understanding. I mean, because I'm going to see them the next day. If they didn't get it, they can talk to me. Uh, you know, that that was something that uh, really changed because now that we're in this online version, those class walls don't exist anymore. They're gone. Right. So, it's like, you know, kids do their work in study hall. We'd prefer they did because they're then they could come ask us questions because they're in the building. Well, now. One kid might do the work at 8 a.m., another kid might do the work at 2 p.m., another kid might do the work at 11.30 p.m. 
and yet those others that I've gotten emails from kids at 2 a.m. while they're doing their homework. It's it's crazy to think how these kids are, are doing it and when they are, and they want feedback as yep. soon as we can get it to them. Yep. And so that that being constantly, I I kind of have these these you know uh, moments or uh, moments of like excitement or oh I got somebody email or they have a question or they're on Zoom and they have to do this and they're not sure how where I have to kind of scramble to answer. But then I have other I won't call them moments prolonged periods of what I will call boredom where. I am just literally sitting and waiting for students to submit work or ask questions. Yes. Yep. And in that that period, there's just no rest time. You just you're constantly on alert for this yep. to happen, but then it doesn't happen and there's just no break. There's no break. And I know that stress has really gotten to a lot of teachers. Uh, out there that not being able to compartmentalize their lives, not being able to go from School time is over. Now it's my personal time or my family time. Right. And that's that's something that, that all teachers have got to figure out for themselves. They have to build that time in. They have to have something that says, okay, I'm, I'm willing to help you at any hour of the day, but for this period of time, this is my family time. You can send me a message. I will respond to it at the next time I'm free. They have to take that time for their own mental health. They have to take that time for their own personal well-being. Um, their self-care is, if, I think that's the term we used yes. in our uh, thing the other day. They have to do that self-care. Yep. Um, even though we, we joke about that self-care, but yeah, it's, it is, it is a real thing. It is a serious thing for, to avoid burnout. And, Unfortunately, this type of education is going to cause more burnout, I'm afraid, than um, was already happening in education. Yes, most definitely. So for me, getting getting there, going back to that, it's more, I'm trying to, you know, as a math teacher especially, it's very hard to teach math this way. It really is because you rely so much on asking questions about, do they understand this? Do they can you do this? Can you show me you can do this before I give you an assignment? Do you understand this? And you don't get that necessarily in this environment. It's harder to get that. You don't get that there. interaction. There's no interaction. And, and you can get the interaction through Zooms and through that stuff, but it's not the same. Why? Because I can sit in my classroom and I can look at my student, look my students in the eye when, when we're in together and I can see in their eyes when they don't understand and they're afraid to ask and I so I then know okay I need to go back over this and figure out another way to teach them or to help them understand and and I know I've mentioned this to be you to you before is just the type of content you're teaching is very different than say mine and social studies where math is it's all it's so much a process you're learning a process and so you have to be able to practice that process where in my area it's it's more just these are facts this is what happened this caused this and so right. teaching that process is, is difficult because if students have at any point in the process don't understand what they're doing they can't move to that next step 
Right. And, and that's what becomes the problem for me is, you know, that's why my, I think my style of doing this keeps changing, keeps evolving. Um, it's kind of like a flipped classroom that I've done some experimenting with, but I've, I've found out that the kids don't do the other part of it if you do a full clip flipped classroom. So there's some challenges to it. Looking at a kid on the computer screen and going, okay, do they understand? I can ask the question, they'll shake their head yes. But in their, if I'm sitting in the classroom and they're shaking their head yes, I can see in their eyes they're just shaking their head yes. I can't, you can't do that through the computer screen as well. So that there, that's a barrier. This the computer screen is a barrier to, to learning this way. Okay. So you know we got there through being forced to do it. We're adapting. I think for the most part in our district, I think we're doing pretty well. Yep. Um, I think kids for the most part we have a few like every district has. We have a few that are struggling their way through trying to learn this way because they can't learn it on their own. And it's, you know, or they think they have to learn it on their own. They're not using their resources. <clears throat> um, but for the most part, our kids are turning stuff in. They're keeping up with their day-to-day work. And so it's been really good. But, you know, and I started to allude to this earlier. I think we can transition a little bit now into where we could go with this yeah yeah where we could go with this so i have a few thoughts on it um and where we could go with this these kids that are struggling to learn this way that are not being successful falls in one of my first points of how things can change going forward by using these processes that we're using now using these formats even when we come back together, we can have better and more individualized instruction because we can simply give these students with the advanced learning the that are in, in intrinsic or you know or in, internal learners that they don't need me to stand there and tell them how to do it. They don't need to listen to me. They're willing to put the effort in. We can give them the assignment and say, here's the here's the PowerPoint, here's the stuff go do it we can take those other kids that don't understand and are struggling and we can break them into smaller sections and say okay here i'm going to teach you how to do this individually i could have another student who completely understands what's going on work with a group of students somewhere in the middle that understands some of it but not all of it so I could, my, my classroom can really transform and be a more engaged learning environment because of what I'm experiencing and learning through this this process. Could be much, much more flexible. Right, much right. More, you know, I mean, and, and let those kids kind of that that guided learning, that fas- being the facilitator instead of the, you know, dispenser of knowledge. The kids, they, they those who can go at their own pace, who, who understand what's going on and can learn on their own, they can kind of become like co-facilitators in the whole thing and, and come out right. and just, you know, you can use them to your advantage to try and pull those other kids up. I mean, I think one of uh this sort of an issue and i hear your cat meowing at you there Mr. yeah he's he's kind of going crazy is back here at the moment one one of the the issues and this is kind of i, I kind of feel in our education system is in general and this is you know both a good and a bad thing is that the american education system is very inclusive all right when i have a class i've got the high-end kids 
I've got the low end kids. I got the kids in the middle. Right. And one of the problems is that in such a class, you end up teaching to the middle. Right. So those kids who are on the low end, they are constantly struggling to come up. But those kids on the high end, they might struggle as well because they are not getting challenged. They're not being pushed. Yeah, they, they're not getting that challenge. And so by doing this, being more flexible in your classroom, uh, you can allow for those kids on top to be able to challenge themselves, to push themselves, and then they can in turn help those kids who are lower level uh, and pull them up. Uh, to, to quote uh, a historical figure, uh, JFK, uh, a rising tide lifts all boats uh, kind of thing. Right. You know, and that, that actually ties into what I was thinking of when I was talking about the individualized learning. There's benefits to it, and there's some issues. You know, the the benefits are mostly to the to the high-end kids because those intelligent, hardworking kids, they can work at their own pace and get through their stuff. Now, that doesn't mean there's not benefits to the lower kids because the benefit to the lower kids is we can spend more time with them individually yeah, more individual because the high because the high-end kids are being taken care of on their own and they don't need us we can focus our energy and on those kids that are at the bottom yeah you know and the kids in the middle are going to learn from the kids at the bottom more than they're going to learn from the kids at the top yeah. so that's good but the issues become you know the the old uh, educational model no child left behind kind of in, in this type of learning environment kind of ends up not being true because we are leaving kids behind you know yep. with with what we're doing right now kids are getting left behind because we don't know how to help them when they don't want to help themselves when we don't see them every day and to kind of well sort of add to that a little bit you're also starting to see or you see this uh when we talked about Uh, access as being an issue as well with kids, especially access to the internet, you are able to see here the the issues of socioeconomic status involved in education. Because, you know, those kids who do well tend to have the resources available to them. Right. You know, whereas these these lower level kids, uh, they don't always have those resources available. And and it's And it's that's kind of going back to how it's changed now is it's it's tough to kind of reach those kids who maybe are iffy, you know, we're providing Chromebooks in our district. But what if they don't have Internet access? What if they don't have that stuff available? You have to be able to connect with them in some way. And I kind of see that as an issue there as well. Right. Kids getting left behind because they don't have the access to the the infrastructure of learning that we so, are using. right so let's let's talk about where we see or how how we think things could change coming out of this i'm going to list a few things here that i've read up on and tried to make some sense of and then i'm going to kind of give you some of my ideas and you know i welcome your thoughts and comments on those as well mr beeler and yeah. then you share some of your okay. thoughts and ideas so first let me give you some some ideas or some things that they're talking about as this should change so Right now, we pretty much educate students in a country-by-country fashion. We each have our own system. But 
one of the things that's talking about is that we should be educating citizens in an in interconnected world. So we should be using all those resources from other countries and webbing them together to make a better education model. They're talking about redefining the role of an educator. So not just a teacher of a topic, but yet we need to start teaching to be members of a, or contributing members of a society, of a global yep. society. Yep. Um, we need to spend more time teaching life skills and less time teaching specific content skills. Mm -hmm. um, and then unlocking this technology to deliver education. So we need to do something better with it. A couple of the other things that I've read um, are about this, this could lead us into some surprising innovations in edu education. There could be some things that some technology or some systems that come out of this that are going to like blow the mind of teachers and students are like, wow, this is really great. Um, there's a maybe some growing or kind of closing that divide between private and public school systems. You know, right now you get the feeling and even our federal education secretary, Nancy DeVos, um, you kind of get the feeling that she wants to go more to private school stuff. You know, in, in a lot of places you think that private schools are are the upper echelon of society, you know, because, oh, they go to a private school, so they have to pay to go to school, so they get this better education, which isn't necessarily the truth. And then, you know, the digital divide, we, we can figure out that global population is online and we can use that online to push things. So with some of those things in mind, my, my first thought of how this could change is or how I think we need to look at changing education in this country. And I'm, I'm mostly talking from a high school level here just because I don't quite know how it would work the same at the elementary level. It, it could be something similar, but not really. <clears throat> and my first thought on that is eliminating grade levels. Yep, I, I was thinking about something similar to that as well. More, and, more guided, student-guided learning. And, and, and what do we mean by that, eliminating grade levels? What I mean by that is, okay, I know that the student has to pass algebra for my class. Their lowest level requirement right now in the state of South Dakota is they need to pass algebra one. Why, if that student comes to me as a freshman or at the end of their eighth grade year and they can pass some state-sanctioned test for algebra one to allow them to get the credit without taking it, and then they don't take algebra one. Yep. If they if they understand the processes, the content going into a class, why should they then take the class? That's a, that's a great why, question. Why shouldn't they instead why, move up and be challenged? Why am I holding? Why am I holding them down? I mean, right now we're holding some kids down that could master these concepts without me teaching them to them. You know, we need to figure out in algebra what are the what are the ten most important things that they need to get out of algebra one and see how much of it they have. If they don't have it, they don't pass it by a certain the test by a certain percentage. They take algebra one kind of like a placement test you could say mm -hmm. you know at the high school level so 
you, and you can do that for everything. You can do that for math science classes. You can do that for English classes. You can do that for history classes. Yep. You can you can figure out what things, where are the gaps in this student's learning, and let's focus them on that. Okay, so you can push them and give them credit by testing. So I think that grade level should be a thing of the past. I think we should move beyond freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. I think that it should be more of a, these are the classes you need to graduate. If you can do these and master these classes in two years, you graduate in two years. Yep. You know, or you, maybe you don't graduate, but maybe you're beyond the high school curriculum and now you're taking dual credit classes for the next two years. Yep. And those dual credit classes, I've had experience with this with kids in, in high school who have done very well getting, you know, one year of college done very and, cheaply, much cheaper than they could if they actually paid for it uh, at that, the college level. And that ties into the the conversation that you and I had off the record the, the, today, or maybe it was yesterday, about about funding for college. Oh, yeah. About, yep. about money spent on student loans. Because if you can get that done as a dual credit type class, you can cut down on the amount of loans that students are taking and therefore helping them make more money in the future because they could have one or two years of general study stuff out of their way yep. before they even step foot on campus, which could be amazing for these kids. And it could and be amazing even, for even in our current system that we have in our district right now, there are that has happened. There have been at least a couple of kids who have gone in and been able to do that. Uh, I know personally one student was able to graduate from a four-year four-year university in three years. So that's an entire year of tuition and everything else that they didn't have to pay. You know? I I have a really good friend who's going to school at the University of Sioux Falls that his I'm good friends with his parents and he had almost two full years of stuff done and he's only a freshman at USF this year. When he went in as a freshman, he was actually going in as more like a junior mm -hmm. because he had so many of his undergrad classes or his. Yeah, um, yep. his, his prereqs or whatever. Yeah, he had most of that stuff done in high school all through dual credit. Mm -hmm. So he saved himself a ton of money, saved himself a ton in student loans. So just another way to cut down on student loan debt. So to me, that that's the biggest thing that I see is if we could move beyond yep. grade levels. I could see where you would still have to have a baseline for right. at this age, this is what you need to know. You know, right. you have to still have that baseline. But yeah, if you can have if you have students who can come in and I mean, maybe they still come in as a quote unquote freshman and they take a class. But if they're learning as they can go, you know, and they are completing the class faster and they get done with a one semester class in one quarter, then why keep them in that class for another quarter, for another nine weeks? Make it right. available for them to move on to the next. Right. And now that 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 comes with challenges because the challenges yes. become how do we how do we get kids moving in between? How do we, we can't have a normal setup school day when we do, if you do that, but it, it won't work in a normal school day. It will work in this online learning environment, yep. which is another thing that I think that we need to look at as educators. We need to look at a platform that allows for this to happen. 
you know, uh, most of us in our district are using Google Classroom right now. Mm-hmm. Um, does, is that the perfect situation? No, by no means is it perfect. Are, are we ever going to find a perfect one? I, I, no, there's just not never going to be. There's always going to be something that could be better. But if we could find something that most closely resembles perfect. <laughs> yeah, that's best suited our, your needs. Right. It doesn't yeah. have to be perfect. It just has to suit what what you want it to do. It has to be able to do that. Right. So the, the next part of that, in my opinion, is the other thing that we need to change is we need to stop recreating the wheel. What What do I mean by that? We need to look at things such as there's websites out there. Khan Academy, I mentioned before, is one that guess what? They have made videos. They have done this of every single lecture that I'm going to teach this year. They Every topic that I teach in any of my math classes, they cover. They've already got a video made. I don't feel that I need to be the one standing there making that video. What I need to be there to do is help those kids understand the concept. I put them, I give them the link to the video. And so they go through that. They take the notes they need. They do whatever. Now, my job as the educator is to facilitate that. Yeah. Think, okay. Think of yourself there, as on-site content area tech support. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Because that's more what it becomes, you know. And then I'm there to help the kid with through a problem or a homework when they get stuck. I'm there. I'm still grading their work. I'm still checking it, but I've, I've unlocked that student a little bit more and put a little bit more on them, making them do the work in my classroom instead of me doing the work. I've already got my high school degree. I've got my undergrad, my grad, and soon to have my specialist degree. I've got all those things. Why am I the one working harder in my classroom than my students are? It's a good point. It's a good point. So, I mean, that that's kind of where I'm at with this. Is I think that's the biggest thing we can change is those, the grade levels and the, and the more individualized learning. Yep. Now, I'll, I'll get my two cents in here. You cover a lot of stuff, and I think a lot of that's great. I, I like the, the idea of the, the more student-directed learning. Uh, I think that's where you're really what the core of what you're getting at when you're talking about getting rid of, getting rid of grade levels is that the kid can work at their own pace. And if their pace is faster than, you know, the, the classes, then that's great. And if they are getting that content and they are successfully achieving that knowledge and, you know, that expertise, then why shouldn't they be able to move on to more difficult subjects to additional content and kind of move past where everybody else is because everybody learns different they all learn at different paces so why are we still teaching like we're all robots you know kind of thing right uh trying to plug us all in and get everybody to the same level that's just kind of how where things are with that so you, you, I, I would say you, Mr. Nolte's a very big picture guy. He's looking deep into the future. When I thought about this, I looked like, okay, how is this going to maybe affect us in the next school year, like coming up? All right. So I'm looking like more, you know, closer to the present than maybe he is. 
Sure. I, I could see that happening in the future, but there's going to have to be some major, major investment at the national and at the state level and at individual district levels for all that to happen. Yep, I agree with that. Uh, so that's going to be, I don't, that's not, it's not going to happen overnight, but if this something like this continues, that is definitely something that uh, could or more likely should happen. All right. What? You mean we can't just print more money? Well, technically you can, but it doesn't <laughs> just work that way. It causes <laughs> okay. inflation. Inflation. Oh. Okay. Right. Uh, and so, you've got to have something to back. My understanding well, is something to back that. Yes, money. it's a faith. <laughs> we have faith right now. We're not on a gold or silver standard anymore. We used to be. Uh, but right now it's just I feel that that dollar is worth a dollar because I think it is. This paper, okay. our money is not actually paper. It's actually like a cotton. It's like more of a cloth. That's why. So it's like my, that's why if you so put it's like my jeans, it's sort cotton of like your jeans. it's more it's more <laughs> of a cloth. Uh, that's why if you wash it, it doesn't like just fall apart. You know, if you've ever washed paper, put paper out of your head, paper in your pocket, and came out of your washing machine, there's not a lot left in of it. You know, if you right. wash money, it just launders it. Uh, so gets like money. Oh, wait, you want to launder money? No, uh, it's a different <laughs> type. Okay, this is, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah, that makes future, sense. future, like next, like this coming school year. Okay, fall, fall 2020. What can I see this that uh, have this coronavirus pandemic impacting us? Okay, great. Uh, okay, I can definitely see us missing more school. Okay, in the coming future because of either because of this. But I think this allows us to deal with having this this kind of rushed, you know, crash course uh, allows us to deal with it better. It allows our district we've adjusted. And now if this happens again, we're going to be in good form where we can actually uh, respond to it and not just react, so to speak. Right. Uh, and so uh, what I kind of mean by that is that in our classrooms now, we're not just going to go back to the way things were that's there's no more normal we're we're going to be in a new normal as they say we're we're just and and that new is going to be having these online components all right, right. Uh, i had kind of already done some of that stuff in my classroom prior uh just i used my online platforms that i was using as a way to provide students with additional content Okay. Oh, you didn't get all my lecture. Here's the PowerPoint. Oh, you don't have, you know, you forgot your book at home. Here's access to the book online. All right. Uh, hey, you're interested in this topic. Uh, here are some videos, some YouTube videos that you should watch that are interesting. You know, things like that, that you could put on there. And I see us getting more into that. Uh, teachers being having more and more of an online presence because say you have a snow day now. Uh, kind of changing topics there real quick. We had snow days when our when we had a snow day. We didn't have school. All right, now right. there's going to be the thing is that snow days aren't going to mean no learning. They're going to mean okay, we are going to our e-learning component. So you better be ready. And that's that's something I wondered about too. I started thinking about that as you were talking about immediate changes. Is yeah, snow days. Guess what? There is no more no school days. Yeah. And along with that, does this make education 24-7-365? Yeah, that's kind of, <laughs> you know, 
do we do we start to get rid of summers? I mean, a little bit. Do you have do you have the option now? I mean, a lot of schools don't offer summer school, but if you have this online version, could students maybe take classes online through your high school and get those out of the way? Kind of looking forward more into Mr. Nolte's future there. You know, right. does does you know it come becomes? I, I was thinking this when you were saying that too. I was thinking. High school because starts to look more like college, right. where you're starting to pick. These are the courses I'm taking. Yes, you have to take you have to take some courses before others, but if you can test out of those courses, if you know the content, you can move up. You have multiple semesters. You know, you have like a, a, a tri semester where you have, you know, a fall, a spring, and a summer, where you have the option where you could, if you would like to go ahead or take more classes. You could do that. Uh, so I was thinking kind of about that similarly. But that's kind of the big thing I see is just that teachers are going to have to learn this stuff. Uh, we have a science right. teacher that he comes in. I'm actually in the school building during this. I come and work in my room and I go and I talk to the science teacher every day. I still social distance, not standing right next to him, but we talk about this stuff. And he's he was in education for you know, at least, you know, 20 years and then he left and then he came back here recently and he's talking about how he's, he's not, not necessarily struggling to learn this stuff, but he's putting an effort in. He knows that this is going to be the future and that he understands that he can't just do things the way he did them 20, 30 years ago. Right. Cause that's not, we're not living 20, 30 years ago. We're living now. Uh, exactly. So, and I also kind of, to kind of finish up my comments because we're going a little longer here than we normally do, but to kind right. of finish up my contact contents, uh, I really like that idea that you talked about of becoming more engaged in the world using this, uh, uh, this idea of learning from home or learning at your own pace, making it actually more socially inclusive, uh, by communicating with people from other states and other countries uh and i kind of the reason i say this is because in our school district we have been lucky enough the past geez five years or so to almost always have multiple foreign exchange students in our district our district is a very small rural district we're talking 15 to 20 kids per class sometimes less Okay. Most of our classes are less. Less. Okay, fine. So we're talking 15 or less for most of our high school, middle school classes. There's some who are a little bit bigger than others, but but we're a small district. And we have, we bring in these kids from places like Germany and Thailand and South Korea and Japan and Spain. Uh, we had, uh, and uh, Slovakia. Uh, we've had people from all over kind of come and be part of our community. And it's very different for them because most of these kids are coming from very rural er or excuse me, very urban areas in these foreign countries. Uh, we had a student come from Tokyo, Japan, you know, and we live in this very rural environment. And so it's, it's I, I see this exchange, this cultural exchange because everybody benefits from it. Uh, you get so much out of it. Uh, there's, I mean, I can talk about Another place's culture, another country's culture, I can talk about the culture of Japan till I'm blue in the face. But if you actually get to know somebody from there, 
and, and you make them part of your 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 community and your life, now you get it. It takes on a whole different meaning. Yep, yep. And I, I, I like this idea of using, you know, being able to use the internet uh, right. and and Zoom and all these other things to to make these these inclusive these worldly inclusive classrooms where we we learn more that it's not just about me here in my little corner of the world it's about all of us together you know kind of thing and it gets them that big picture view and we've been lucky enough i believe lucky enough to have those students and they've really enjoyed their time here and gotten gotten a lot out of it unfortunately uh we had uh our three students uh who were here this year had to leave early because of the pandemic and go home uh and we hope they're doing well uh, and are, are healthy and and some of them are even continuing and this is how I know we can do this is because I have one of the foreign exchange students from Spain he is continuing his class with me right now yes and he is yep. in Madrid Spain and I am here in the middle of nowhere North America and I'm running his American history class which is right. just incredible if you think about even a decade ago if that would have been possible not no not even in our wildest dreams kind of thing so i, I just kind of want to end it and my view with that yep and i and i agree with that too that, that that's the biggest thing and the other thing biggest point i want to point out is that we need to look at changing the focus of what we're teaching you know for for me and i i often pick on geometry class because to me geometry class mm -hmm. is the least needed of the math classes that I teach um, unless you're going into engineering or you're going into um, I don't even not even in medicine really do you yeah. need the geometry you know really, really it's an engineering rhombuses, really it's an, rhombuses are underutilized shapes right you don't you don't need that so <laughs> we need to be teaching these kids more of the more of the consumer math the personal finance the everyday the usage stuff we need to teach them more about this this pandemic that's going on about how this works about exponential growth and exponential decay of things and you know those are what's important for kids to know and understand as they become citizens of the world so we need to figure out a way to teach those life skills more and take the focus off of what is common commonly referred to as the core subjects yep Make, or make those core subjects more applicable to every right. life you i know in math you get this how am i ever going to use this in my and, in everyday life and and they're for the most part those questions are fair yep and they're true because before i was a math teacher i used some of those math skills yep but was i ever trying to figure out why a triangle is a triangle or why a square is a square or no i just know that a square has got four sides and four 90 degree angles yeah <laughs> okay done I, I i know that i i don't need to be able to prove it and those are the things that the kids are think are wasting their time and to be honest i i agree they in no. some cases it is wasting their time but if i could teach them that why it's important to understand how does food cost how to figure out what your meal is costing you. Yep. Planning a budget. To, to, buy, to, to buy the better, the cheaper item at the store. Yep. Interest. And by cheaper, I don't mean 
this can is $5 and this can is $2. You got to look at your, how much is in each can. Right. That size of that can is a gallon compared to a two ounce can. Well, $5 is pretty good for the big can as opposed to figure it out per ounce or per, you know. Yep. Those are the skills kids need to be successful in life. So I think with that, we should probably wrap it up today. Yep. So we thank you for tuning in and listening to our rant today about education here. Um, because, you know, we are two teachers that know everything. Or know nothing. We're not sure yet. 